Welcome to Writish, the one-stop shop on your writer journey where we discuss everything writing-related from shiny new ideas through publication. Whether it's on the indie or traditional path and the ish of life that fuels and sometimes gets in the way of our creative pursuits. I'm Zara, a self-published author of young adult and new adult fiction and alumni of the NYU Master's in Publishing program and the founder of Inimitable Books, LLC, a new book publisher dedicated to uplifting marginalized voices without forcing authors to spotlight their trauma. I'm Kelly, a genre-hopping writer, trier of hobbies, and a debuting author fall of 2023. To begin going down this tunnel of story conflict, I think it's important to maybe define the conflicts that we are discussing when writing a novel. And I'm going to go out on a ledge here and assume y'all have heard these in your high school English class. The first one is character versus self, which is the character's inner conflict, and that is what drives the story. The next one is character versus character. Two characters are at odds with one another. I feel like this is the most popular. And then we have character versus society. So a character is at odds with society around them. I think dystopian novels for this. The next one is character versus supernatural. So a character must face and or battle something beyond normal controllable forces. Zara, I would say that your books could fall in with that, right? The devil. Yeah, I I would absolutely say that if a book is in the paranormal or fantasy genres, it's normally gonna be in this one the next one would be character versus technology so a character is challenged by technology i normally think the terminator even though that's not really a novel it's a movie but that's what i think of well i mean i would think the terminator the matrix oh yeah the matrix was 2001 a space odyssey hal yeah the computer <laughs> so yeah and then the next one is character versus nature where a character is challenged by nature and i have a really good one for this that i'm just gonna leave tucked in for our examples whenever we further elaborate. As you can tell by the titles of them, a lot of them are pretty self-explanatory and you may be wondering how they work in reality because like we said, we just gave some very brief examples and we're going to give more and you're, you're maybe wondering how these, you may be wondering how stories could maybe fit in multiple of these six categories, but we're going to get to that later in the episode. Yes. So to start off here, I think we should go in depth over the most popular type of conflict, character versus character. So my favorite series ever, Percy Jackson, in the first book, The Lightning Thief, the overarching threat is Zeus, who will wage war against Percy's father, Poseidon. So He's already working against Zeus, but within that, Percy is working against multiple other characters in the book, such as the camp counselor Dionysus, Ares' daughter Clarice, and then there's a skirmish (laughs) with Medusa. So there's a lot of characters pit against characters in the first book, and I feel like, you know, in the whole series there is, but that's just talking about the first book. As we have said before, we don't like the creator of this anymore, but you have Harry Potter versus Voldemort, even though you have him going up against a lot of things every single year. And you also have Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader. So basically any really epic story normally has a character versus character. Yeah, like very, either it's an epic story, like Star Wars, like 
or it's like a middle grade theme is what I'm sensing. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's, even if it has other things, and like I said, we're going to get into how stories can have multiple of these six types of conflicts later in the episode. I think the ones that can be boiled down to character versus character, because at some level, one represents good and one represents evil. They're the ones that are very easy to latch on to and then get very popular because of that. Yes. So the next one, moving on to character versus society, is The Hunger Games. Everyone should know what The Hunger Games is. I did not read the book. I watched the first movie, and that's my extent of knowledge on Hunger Games. However, I'll educate you. It's okay. We'll get you there. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get me there. There's multiple layers of conflict, like with any good story, but the main tension is evident that not only does Katniss push against the societal norms of her world by wanting to survive The Hunger Games, not because it's expected of her, but because she values her life, even though she's from the poorest district and she wants to protect her friends and family. Another way that the lens zooms in on this conflict is when Katniss pushes back against the capital later and the twisted norms that the world abides by here with, you know, children murdering children. For the government's entertainment. Yes. Yes. For the government. Sorry. I should have, (laughs) should have added to that more. I mean, children killing children, no matter what is messed up, but within the world of the Hunger Games, it's not lord of the flies where it's like oh there's no parental or adult supervision and you have these kids wild and having to survive on an island by themselves so things go very wrong it's like no they're forced to do this yeah it's it's shitty very dystopian very meh so moving on to the third one here which is my favorite Character versus nature, and I also like to think like environment because it could also not be nature around them, but the environment of their circumstances. Yeah, if it's environment of circumstances, I think we should clarify that versus society, where society is whatever the humans or characters have created that isn't freeform and organically created in whatever world you're in versus, as Kelly is saying, it's nature or could be an environment, but basically it's not a contrived thing by an entity other than how the world works. I think of with Project Cursebreaker, Alara is not working against anyone. She's working against the curse and herself. So that's what I think of whenever I think of environmental things, because it's no human put down the curse. It's always been there. And it was like this ancient deity that did it. Yeah. And that could also fall under supernatural, but you get the idea. Basically, it's like it's always been existing. It's not something that someone constructed. They're not aiming it at like, oh, society is bad, so I can change it versus nature is just like, Mostly you need to survive it. Tying into this is something I always think of is Princess Mononoke. While Miyazaki describes the story as having all elements of man versus man, man versus self, and of course, man versus nature. The aspect of man versus nature is what really forms this film into the timeless piece that it is. In the movie, the side of nature is a fearsome force to be reckoned with, but this force is old. The side of the humans have begun to industrialize, thus the tension of the humans always pushing ahead and innovating, but never stopping 
to see that we as humans are a part of the greater ecosystem and we do damage it. Okay, so handling the other three of the six, character versus self, I had a hard time coming up with one that I personally loved and read because if you Google it, it'll say Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky and your girl hasn't read that monster of a book yet. Yet. I would like to before I die to be able to say that I've done it. (laughs) Character versus self, the one that I have chosen for this example is I Never Promised You a Rose Garden, which is a story about a girl learning to deal with her schizophrenia with the help of her amazing therapist who is based on a real woman. And I will leave a link to both the book and the real woman that it was inspired by in the show notes. Another example could have been Girl Interrupted, which is also about mental health with a woman dealing with her then appropriately termed borderline personality disorder. Now you may be wondering, can a story be character versus self that isn't about mental health? The answer is absolutely. Whenever a character is unsure of what's happening within them to be able to function quote unquote normally in the world around them is when you can call it character versus self. And then we have character versus supernatural and Kelly did mention the mosaic curse in Project Cursebreaker. So I did say that could fall under that, but then you have any story that is paranormal or fantasy, which we covered. And the example I'm going to give is Twilight, not because I think it's good writing, but because it's very well known. So anytime you have vampires, witches, Angels, werewolves, all characters who appear in my The Belgrave Legacy trilogy, you are automatically in character versus supernatural. If you are dealing with a curse, they are dealing with actual creatures. That's supernatural because that's not within normal bounds of the world, even if that is normal within the world that you've written. The most exciting part of these stories is normally that the character versus supernatural is human or at least thinks they're human for most of the story or long enough for the story that they're not involved in it. So it's not normal to them. So they're the gateway for the reader. The same way in Cassandra Clare's Shadowhunters world, you have the main character, Clary, even though she is a shadow hunter, she doesn't know it. So she feels like she's a human entering into the world and then you have character versus technology we gave a lot of movie examples earlier in this episode but what I'm going to say might raise some eyebrows because it technically is a fantasy story but the golden compass by Philip Pullman known as northern lights everywhere but the United States the reason that I call it character versus technology is because while you have a fantasy world where people's souls are manifested as a physical animal that accompanies their human and is called a demon and you know all of that amazing stuff the problems that the main character lyra faces is the magisterium which you could say is society but the thing is is that they use technology to experiment on children to spy on her They want to destroy the alethiometer. So even though that piece of technology is good, it's 
still posing a problem for her because it's making her a target. And then you also have her uncle, Lord Asriel, doing things with technology that's making him a target. And then if you know the end of the book, then there's like a really, really big problem with the technology that opens up, you know, the story to become a trilogy. And if you caught my little, you know, pun, then great. But it wasn't intentional. Moving on. Character versus self should exist at some level in every story, in my opinion, because I get bored if it's just a character working against external forces. Because while we all deal with external forces, we also have emotions and feel conflicted about things because we're complex beings, as we talk about in almost every episode of this podcast. We are like onions. For example, The Giver, which is another dystopian world which uses a lot of technology, so you have society and technology right there. The main character, Jonas, is forced to examine his own morality when he finds the rose-tinted glasses that he's viewed his society shattered especially when he finds out that his parents maybe aren't so great. So you need multiple things, in my opinion, to be interesting. So do you want to talk about internal versus external conflict, Kelly? We can go ahead and we can move in that direction. So the other types of conflict I'm sure y'all have heard of are external and internal. So external is a character working against a character or nature, while internal is a character working against something within themselves. So let's talk some examples within our own writings. So for external conflict here, I have the colorful legacy of Alara Everwolf. This is a good example of external conflict where Alara is working against a curse that plagues her homeland. So she's constantly fighting to get the objects required to end this curse. That's the whole plot of the book. Everything else that happens or all the other conflicts I have woven into the story are, you know, a little bit of internal, a little bit of character versus self, a little bit of character versus nature or character versus supernatural in some instances because there are dragons. Because why wouldn't there be? Love dragons. Yes. So another example of this within my own writing is Symbols of Character, where Anya is pinned against a matriarch of a wealthy local family when she finds out she's carrying the grandchild of such a powerful family. So while the story also explores internal conflict and the push and pull of Anya with other characters is what you first see when you're turning the pages in this novel. Yes, so like Kelly said, there is some of both. But since she kind of took this from the external conflict, I'm going to look at my two trilogies from the internal angle. The premises of both my trilogies are very external. You have a young witch who is the subject of a bet between God and the devil and is being manipulated by a dark angel. But the internal conflict of the story actually really falls on the male character who is that angel And he doesn't know if what he's doing is good or justifiable once he realizes that he's in love with said witch because he agreed to do it so that he could get his freedom and so he can finally die and be with his family, which is how he 
got roped into working for the devil in the first place. He got tricked, unsurprisingly, to any reader who knows anything about the devil, unless we're talking about Lucifer from Sandman and the TV show. And then in the Stellar Blood trilogy, it's also my male character who is conflicted on what he's doing once he realizes, oh, I kind of like the female character. They're no longer just a means to an end. Once the female character becomes human and an individual, and then the object of affection of these characters, they're forced to question how far can you take the ends justify the means if I'm hurting someone who I care about. It doesn't go full trolley problem, if you know what that is, where do you save the few people who you care about versus the larger group of people who you don't have an emotional attachment to. But it is kind of like that. And as I'm saying this, I realize that I have a type when it comes to my writing. Yeah. (laughs) Because the external conflict is always on the female, which brings her in contact with the guy who's in like, oh, maybe... I shouldn't be doing this. I was going to say, there's a there's a theme here, Zara. There's a theme. I think I'm trying to give the guys more depth and empathy than a lot of the guys I've experienced in real life. So while I'm not writing my perfect male hero, if I can't make their actions better across the board, at least make their motivations and internal conflict good enough that you don't absolutely hate them and then maybe can root for, oh, you're improving yourself. Maybe you do deserve the girl who's kick-ass. Maybe you deserve this badass heroine. Maybe. We'll think about it and come back to you. Sometimes whenever like writing romance, I feel like you're just writing someone else's book partner. Like I thought about that whenever I was doing The Dangers of Engagement and I was writing Lucifine, the Vampire Queen, and Perry Bell, Fairy of the West Wind. And I was like what is going to be good and bad about these characters, but still redeemable enough that someone would want to date them? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of goes back to our Know Your Characters episode from season one, where we talk about a character doesn't exist in a void. They're in some ways defined by their relationships and things like that. So I agree. You want your characters to not be fully good because that's boring. Mm -hmm. But you also... Assuming they're not the villain, you want them to be redeemable at some level. But I also like villains who you're like, okay, your actions, not okay. Your motivations, understandable. And we talked about that in our Know Your Characters episode too. I also would like to make a nod ahead because I think of, I don't like boring, good characters like Snow White and Prince Charming from Once Upon a Time. I do love characters like Captain Hook from Once Upon a Time's universe. And I know in the future, we have talked about doing a character analysis of certain characters from that universe. So just a little nod there to future plans if y'all want something to be excited about. (laughs) Yes, yes. We like our characters complex and interesting. I feel like that has been the move a lot here lately though is more so good characters that people can relate to that are gray instead of the token good wholesome character like Snow White. The world isn't black and white and we 
need to reflect that in our fiction because while there are people questioning whether or not they should put the current pandemic in their fiction and it's like no some of us want escapism we don't need every part of reality in our fiction we also shouldn't be perpetuating the idea that the world is black and white because then that leaves people unprepared to deal with the real world and we also talk about this in your birthday episode where I asked if you enjoyed writing the hero or villain more oh yeah I do remember that yes okay yeah because we talked about how the villain has to be the hero in their own story even if no one else sees it exactly So it is important to take in all of these ways to provide tension and conflict in your story. But it's also important to know the correct ones that is going to work well for your story and how to implement those. So I have talked about how internal and external conflicts are in symbols of character, but there's also character versus character in that story as well as character versus self, which if you look at external conflict, very evident character versus character, internal character versus self. I don't want to go into too much detail. So very briefly, Anya gets roped into this very toxic game of push and pull. And it also has to do with her losing any and all autonomy of her body and spiraling down into the pit and then trying to figure out how she's going to escape from the cage that is this very pretty wealthy manor. The class divide sounds like you could put that under nature in that it's at some level just to her, it is natural, or you could say that's society. Correct. Yeah. So it's just thinking about your story and thinking which conflict is really going to highlight the story and really give the story its life to its fullest degree. Yeah, I don't think you should set out and look at this list of the six and be like, which ones fit my story? I think in a lot of cases, which is advice I've given throughout many of these episodes, is you should write the story as it comes to you and then think about these storytelling devices to maybe refine your story or just help you with editing if you're like, something isn't working. As Kelly has said, we all know how to tell a story at some degree. So you don't want to stifle yourself too early. Sometimes your story has things that fall into neat boxes. And if you understand what those boxes are, it can help you. But you don't need to force your story into said boxes. I also feel like it also depends on the genre and how many drafts you're in. So with Adventures in Thimbleton, which was like my first ever finished manuscript, I have gone back. So glad you're bringing this up. I was going to ask you to talk about this story. I am reading through it and I can see where tension is lacking, what relationships are lacking, and where I need to insert more conflict at. So I like what Zara was saying with don't just sit and stare at these and be like, oh, I need to implement all six because that would make this story super complex. Like definitely pick the conflicts that are going to work best for the genre of your story and the plot of your story. And don't go overthinking it or going setting out to do the absolute most set out to write your story first and then come back and refine it. I like how you said what I said better. (laughs) I did not. You did. You don't give yourself enough credit. 
I think also though, because we are humans and even if we're writing aliens and I chose to write humanoid aliens and some people frown on that and they're like, if you're going to write an alien, make them not like a human because that's what the term means and things like that. But we want to recognize the relationships at some level, even if it's something we've never experienced ourselves. So like I said, I do think you need to have a character versus self type of conflict in every story because we can all empathize with that type of internal struggle. Oftentimes, we do have a character versus character because it's easier to think about combating an individual or a group of individuals rather than being like, I'm fighting against all of society, which can be a very depressing thought if you think about it too much. And then oftentimes wrapped up in that society is technology. In my Stellar Blood trilogy, it is mostly what I described where Verity is dealing with the external conflict of being abducted and experimented on by aliens. And then the internal conflict of can I deal with that trauma or do I need to just shove that down so that I can prepare my home, which is Area 51, and then prepare humanity at a larger scale for this? Because even if the king of the aliens, Knox, doesn't want to run a violent campaign against our planet, someone in his government who doesn't respect the king, Isom wants to so that becomes her character versus character which is already Knox's character versus character so there still is a like rotten individual as an enemy in that story so there's society technology character versus character but I didn't force any of those it's just when you're looking at the story, you can be like, oh, it ticks these boxes. Yes. And just to remind y'all before we wrap this episode up, write the damn thing first and then come back, re-listen to this and go through and refine your draft like a fine wine, I suppose. I'll use that as an example here and insert different flavors of conflict and tension. Yes. And also give our revision episodes a listen we've done two so far we might do other ones in the future who knows never say never (laughs) this is the writish podcast and we'll be back with another episode next week when we'll be having our first interview about co-authoring i will be asking questions of kelly and our fellow author tuber friend Bri Bonomo who are writing project metal together <laughs> and don't forget to follow us on instagram at the rightish podcast on twitter at right underscore ish and on ko-fi at rightish bye, bye.